Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. My name is Regina Liz Clayman George. And I am a massive deal. Okay, yes, I just saw Mean Girls this weekend. Not only did it top the weekend box office, its ticket sales beat the original 2004 iconic movie starring Lindsay Lohan and Rachel McAdams. I mean, this is the way to start the new year, right? But there's a backstory to this new hit movie musical that I'm about to reveal that proves you can beat that old expression about Hollywood that I find so incredibly annoying. And here's that saying. It's not what you know, it's who you know. I mean, so much of breaking into movies, and I'm not even talking acting, I'm talking producing or recording music for them, has to do with connections. I grew up in L.A., Hollywood, Beverly Hills, and oh, it's, oh, I know him. Oh, I know her. Oh, then you get the job, right? So how did a New Jersey guitar teacher with no college degree, no formal music training, and living in his parents' tiny attic, end up hauling in seven figures from a huge music school he founded and co-owning the professional recording studio that was chosen by the producers of the new Mean Girls to record all the film songs. Yes, it can be done because Ben Hyman of Ben Hyman Music and Daxit Recording Studio has done it. But how did he grow and accomplish it all without the it's who you know caveat nailed down? Ben is my guest today. He's going to reveal it all. Welcome to Everyone Talks to Liz. Okay, first question. How did my Regina George song sound? It was perfect. Okay, that's the correct answer. But would I make like the lead singer? We should move on to the second question. Okay, thank you. Now you guys know just what I'm dealing with here. But I have to ask you, I mean, what was it like seeing the movie for the first time, you and your partner having been the recording studio behind all the music? It was really cool to see it because the first time I saw it was the cast and crew screening. So you're watching the movie with all the people that were involved in in making the movie. And obviously, I'm sitting next to Hanan, and we're listening for all the different sounds. Hanan so, is your partner. Yes, Hanan's my partner in the studio. Uh, he was the lead music producer on the film. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, if you look at the credits, you'll see his name everywhere. Um, and we're watching the film. It was very distracting, honestly, because we're focusing so much on the music. Um, so I, I feel like I listened the first time, and then I went to see it Friday. And I think that's the first time I actually watched the movie for real. I mean, to me... The fact that you have been able to accomplish this with what I rolled out in the beginning, and that is not having any Hollywood connections and all of that, that is the story, just the kind of story that our listeners absolutely love. And and I think about your parents' attic. I mean, your parents' attic is like the famed garage Hewlett and Packard started their computer business in. They turned it into a museum, by the way. So I, I think we need to sell tickets to your parents' attic, because this is an epic story. Yeah, but you can stand up in the garage. I couldn't stand up in the attic. Oh, it was that low of a ceiling? Yeah, it was like 
Yeah. You know, we tell all kinds of success stories on this podcast, but yours was important for me to tell because everything you were did not square with the traditional background people think they need to have to reach any kind of success. Forget Hollywood. Yeah, I I think that there's a path that's pushed from day one that you are supposed to go to school and you're supposed to do your homework and you're supposed to get these good grades and everyone's focusing on these artificial measurements of of what constitutes success but the reality is those numbers don't translate into skills in the real world into interpersonal relationships persistence how to deal with failure how to learn from failure um, building your own self-confidence, building your own identity. I think these are the things that people should be focusing on. Can we just start with no formal music training? When did you first pick up a guitar? So we moved to New Jersey when I was 12, and I played drums. And a few of my, a few kids, I wouldn't say friends because I didn't have friends. I just moved. And I met some kids that played guitar, and no one played drums. So we would all get together, and you know, we'd play Nirvana tunes or Smashing Pumpkins, something like that. Um, but we weren't very good and we didn't know that many songs. And so when we were done playing, I just sort of felt like guitar was really cool. I'd never really seen it before and I was just drawn to it. So I'd go and ask them to teach me a few things and they'd want me to teach them drums, but I was able to play the things that they showed me and they weren't able to. So they stopped showing me cause they didn't want me to <laughs> stop playing drums. So I asked my parents for some lessons at a music shop. Just, I mean, that's how it started. I had the typical lessons, you know, someone show you a couple songs and that's it. But did you think this is kismet? I'm going to make my living out of this. Not then. I don't think I was. I think I just wanted to play music. (laughs) That's how it starts, though. But were your parents encouraging? Very, very encouraging. Mm -hmm. I think what I what I lacked in in what other people's parents did, pushing them to, you know, focus on homework, focus on school. um, I didn't have a lot of that or really any any direction towards anything, but they always encouraged my passions, my brother's passions, and they were always very supportive of music. When you were in high school, what kind of plan for life and a career started to develop for you? And and none is an okay answer, too, but what <laughs> so was I, happening in I, your mind? I'm laughing because there was absolutely no thought of the future at all. I mean, it's it's scary sometimes to look back at where I was with what I know now. Uh, having done it once, I don't know that I could do it again if you put me back in that same position. I mean, all the, all the statistics would tell you it, it shouldn't end up this way. It won't, you know, it wouldn't have to end up this way. Um, in high school, I was just thinking about having a good time. So you're a senior in high school. I imagine your friends are all applying to and heading for college. What about you? Yeah, not so much. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, they're all taking, uh, AP courses. They're, uh, stressing about the SAT. They all have tutors. Um, you know, I, I was getting annoyed because everyone's always so busy. I'm trying to hang out and everyone's like, Hey, I got to study for this. I got to study for them. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I didn't do my homework. I didn't really study. I, I didn't have an SAT tutor. I didn't go to any SAT courses. I took it once I was hung over three hours sleep. I bombed. I mean, <laughs> it, I, you know, so it's funny to hear the question. What were you thinking about in terms of the future? I mean, I, I wasn't, and I, I don't recommend people do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just happened to work out for me, but I, I do think that there is something to at least letting people know there is another path out there. I think towards the end of my senior year, I met a, a kid. He was a sophomore, and we were. It's the first time I really had a like a a, a writing and a, and a playing partner, and I and I connected to someone on a, on a musical level, and I said, "Oh, this is really a lot more um, fulfilling than playing by myself." And so um, we would cut school and just 
play guitar for hours. Um, he actually had to go to summer school at summers. Mom was not happy, but uh, <laughs> that was the first time where I really thought about doing it for a living. And you know, when you're young and you're ignorant, you think, "Well, I can do this." Okay, um, you have no idea of the the enormous odds against you, just how difficult it was. But isn't that part? Of why you succeeded, because you didn't know what you didn't know. Oh, definitely. If I if I knew what I knew, I I that's the scary part. I'd probably just go into finance. It's a sure thing, right? You you make a lot of money, you're miserable, and that's and you die. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about your first gig that you played before an audience. Oh God. Um, so there's a venue in Teaneck that's now called Debonair Music Hall. It was Mexicali Blues. Uh, it was on Cedar Lane at the time. They had this open mic night. It's in New Jersey. Yeah, sorry, uh, New Jersey. And uh, so me and my friend, we, we played that. And that was the first time I ever played in front of people. We were so nervous. It was just an open mic night. It wasn't paid. There's maybe 10 people there, but I was super nervous. My hands were shaking. I used to have really bad stage fright when I first started. I mean, you know, tremors in my hands. It took a little bit to get over that. You know, your heart's beating and, you know, your mouth is dry and uh, you're afraid to look up. You're sweating. It's it's not comfortable. Um, but when you when you do it enough and then you start to get comfortable, then it's it's exciting, right? So the adrenaline rush, I think the adrenaline rush never goes away whether you're playing for a small group or a big crowd, um, but you, you stop being nervous and you and then it becomes fun. So you start doing this on a regular basis. Back then, what year was this and how much money would you make a night? <laughs> like 99, 2000, maybe. I mean, if I'm doing a gig in the city, be lucky to walk away with 50 to 100 bucks. Really? Yeah, if That's you're lucky, it. sometimes you play for tips. I used to play this uh, this venue. I don't know if it's still there. Called the Living Room, um, with this artist from Louisiana that moved to New York, and you know we'd play for tips most of the time. You know, you'd be lucky if you made twenty bucks. And when does the light bulb come over your head and you say to yourself, maybe I can make extra money teaching? Um, so. All my friends were in college. I wasn't in college. I was, again, living at my parents' house. I was waiting tables and playing gigs in the city. And I would go visit friends at Rutgers. That was the closest college my friends were at. And one of them mentioned that he was charging like 25 bucks an hour to teach guitar to make extra money. And I thought, well, that's a lot better than serving food. Maybe I could do that. I had no idea what I was doing. I just put up a bunch of posters, got one or two students, and, and you're kind of sitting there like, all right, so what do I do? And you're like, I don't know. <laughs> let's, so, I mean, let's, did, let's figure it out together. Do you know you what I Did you create a lesson plan? Did you even know what you were doing? Absolutely no idea. I said, let me just, <laughs> just, let me just start with the chords because that's what I learned first. Let me show you how to strum, you know, and they'd, I'd say, okay, so here's how you strum. And they'd say, what are you doing? And I'd like, what do you mean? Just watch me play. That's how I learned. Um, and I saw that people needed uh, a system. They needed things broken down a certain way. And so I experimented a little bit and came up with different ways to explain it. And every new student you had had something a little bit different that they struggled to understand. And I really liked the challenge of trying to take this thing that I was also learning, but take the things that I knew about music, that I knew about guitar, and translate that over to someone else. So it's more of a bespoke approach a customized approach that you took. And 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 for, for our listeners, I know you're sitting there going, this guy sounds really mellow. You, you seem very patient as a teacher. As a teacher, yes. As a, as a parent of toddlers, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it runs out there. It yeah, stops there. Yeah, for sure. There. Yeah. Um, give me an example of a typical day once you got a good crop of students. What was your day like? It's overwhelming to think about the schedule I used to do. I had 86 private students every single week. I did 26 private lessons every single Sunday. In you know, person? In person. That's driving house to house. Um, you know, the weeknights, uh, 
there were nights where I would get home at one thirty. I had students that would take a twelve thirty to one thirty, uh, a twelve to one a.m. lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just insanity. You uh, must have been exhausted. Yeah, but I just I thought of it as having like a reverse day. So I would while everyone else is at work, you know, doing like having real jobs and showing up and dealing with all that, I would work out with friends. One of them was Hanan. Um, play music, go shopping, work out. Um, you know, and then as it got closer to leaving, you kind of pack your bag full of snacks and water and make sure you have everything, all your notes, all your sheet music. And, um, you know, back, back then you'd bring an iPod. So you had all the songs because, you know, there wasn't streaming. So if I wanted to teach a certain song, I had to have it on me to show them or they wouldn't know what it was. Um, and then just go and, uh, you don't think about the hours. You just go, you just, it's just one lesson at a time. And then, um, most of the lessons were enjoyable. So it, it went by and. But that's the thing. You just said most were enjoyable. You actually embraced what you were doing and you realized to get anything off the ground, you got to just crush it. There is, there is so much that people need to understand before they decide to really go for something. And, and much of that is you'll sleep when you're dead. I mean, there is not a lot of sleep in the early days of starting a, a career. No. Very little. I mean, the 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 weekends were the hard part. You'd, I'd teach till eight or nine on Friday, get home. My first lesson would be Saturday morning in the city at 845, and then I'd do a whole city run. Um, I would bring Arielle with me. Um, that's my wife. When we got married, um, I was still teaching seven days a week, and she'd come with me because it was the only time I'd see her. We'd go in the city, and she became friends with all my, all my families, and she'd hang out with the families while I was teaching the kids, and then we'd hang out a little bit, go back home, and then Sundays were... You know, wake up 5.15, out of the house at 6.30, first lesson 6.45. I wouldn't get home till 11.30 p.m. And it's just straight 26 lessons. This is Everyone Talks to Liz, and we will be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clayman. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clayman right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clayman. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So things are going really well. I I I know a couple of things were happening over this decade and a half, namely a financial crisis that blew up the world in 2007, 2008. Lehman Brothers implodes. Those were really dark times for the country. How how did it affect you as as a teacher? Because some might argue that. Listen, people spend money on improving themselves, but when the going gets tough, they have to start cutting budgets. Uh, for me, a lot of my clients were impacted. A lot of a lot of the families that I worked with then worked in finance. And so obviously everyone's panicking because they've never seen anything like that, not in our lifetime. And the first phone call I got for that school year was a student telling me they couldn't continue. And I thought, okay, this is 
this is not going to be good for me. That's heartbreaking. Um, but that was only one, only one uh, student lost. What I did get was a people asking if they can maybe cut down the time. So can we go from an hour to 45 minutes? Can we go from 45 minutes to a half an hour? And I was doing mostly 45 minutes or hour lessons and people just started cutting down the time and it- And the occurred, price. Uh, right, for them, the yeah. price, right? But they didn't want to stop it. And it occurred to me that in times like that, one of the last things to go is anything for the kids. So people will cut back on things that, um, you know, are, are dog walkers, facials, right? Things like nails, nails, even t certain types of vacations. Uh, but I mean, and I get it now because I have kids. I mean, the last thing that you'll cut is if something, if someone's making a difference in your kid's life. And I like to think that I did. Um, I really gave everybody a hundred percent. Their kids would, would look. I made I made sure that it was something to look forward to. It's an experience. It shouldn't just be someone came and come in your house and playing music. Music lessons should be something that you look forward to, and that's what I did, and that's what I was good at. And when you do that, when you provide that kind of experience for someone's children, that's almost, I mean, in a way, it's job security. 2009 was really hard for me because, you know, it wasn't, I, I talked about how I didn't lose clients and I gained clients and, you know, people just cut down on time. But what I didn't mention is I'd really, I'd, I'd gone basically broke in 2009 and I had cashed out a retirement account in 2006 to buy an apartment, which is really stupid. And I would advise people not to do that. <laughs> um, and then the housing market collapsed. So, I mean, all my equity had gone to this place, the house, the mortgage was underwater. I had maybe 1500 bucks in my bank account when I moved back to my parents' house. So that's so the context. So back to the attic. Right. So I'm back in the attic. When did that click happen in your mind? Like, I need to start an actual business. I need to set up an LLC or whatever it was you did. How did that come together? It's exhausting and it's very tough to, to work seven days a week for months and months and months out of the year. I mean, I got the summers off, um, but come school year, I mean, it's seven days a week. It's a grind and my wife is very patient. Um, but at some point she said, look, you, you need to figure something out. You've got 25 people on a waiting list. Why don't you hire somebody? Bring them on and help take some of this demand. Teach and, them your way of teaching. Right, but my concern was always, I mean, I don't know if you know many musicians, but we're not the most reliable people. And that was one of the things that I built my brand on was when you called me, I showed up. You called it Ben Hyman Music. Yeah, I thought I just said, look, people know me, let me put my name out there, let's just see what happens. Um, hired a couple of teachers. Um, and I think I got lucky. I, I, I was, I knew what I wanted in a teacher and I knew what to look out for. Um, you know, if I reach out to somebody and they don't get back to me, well, that's a red flag. I'm trying to get them, a, you know, I'm trying to give them work. If they're not getting back to me, they're definitely not going to get back to a client on time. If it, if it takes someone two days to get back to me, I can't hire them. Let's just cut to the chase. How many teachers and how many students do you have today in how many states? We're just about 300 students wow. in the mid-30s teachers probably right now. Um, we're in New York and New Jersey. Over the pandemic, we had some virtual students as far away as Alaska. Did you at some point almost hover above it and say, wait, how did this happen? It's huge. Sometimes. Sometimes. Um, when I'll, I'll be in a meeting with my, with my admin, and we'll be looking over the stats, and it just hits me like, wow, okay. I, I remember when I first started... You know, I don't even think we hit, I think we didn't even hit 600 lessons the whole year, the first year we started. And now I think our lifetime lessons are like 61,000, something Whoa. like that. See, this to me is, is just amazing. It's like, I always say drops of water on a rock, do it over a year and it's not making any dent, but yeah. years and years and you start to see the dent. And I think it's like in, in 
playing an instrument, learning an instrument also, right? There's the first few years are, are really hard. It's a lot of work and you're not really seeing a big return. But if you know what the potential is and you stick with it long enough and you put in enough effort at some point, there is that critical mass point. You've mentioned Hanan a couple of times here, Hanan Rubenstein. Now, he's your partner today, but you got to tell me, because as you were continuing to build this business, you met him and he would eventually become your partner in a full-blown professional recording studio. How did it all begin? So I think the, the first thing is to understand that for most people, building a recording studio is a terrible idea. Um, anyone with, with the money can put together what we did. Anyone who's willing to invest the time researching can find even our rarest pieces. They're out there. Um, so it's not about just building the space. Anyone can build what we built. So I didn't build a studio. What I did was I invested in Hanan. So he was best known for being the guitarist in Alicia Keys band. Um, but he would always tell me, Hey, you know, I, I mixed this record on the tour bus. I'm like, okay. You know, everyone I know is a producer, right? So everyone tells me they're a producer, but most... You know, it just means they have some software at home and they're, you know, just making their own music. Um, but it turns out, I mean, he's he's a really serious engineer, really serious producer. Um, he went to school for it. He was, uh, we started writing music and going in and, and playing songs and getting feedback and bringing in projects. And at a certain point, we always talked about building a studio. And I said, if I'm ever going to do this, I always wanted to do this. But if I'm ever going to do it, I need a partner. I'm, I'm a, I'm like... I'm the guy that makes the team stronger, mm-hmm. you know, um, he's like the star player, which is great because I, I, I love to be the guy that's like just outside the picture frame, you know, let someone else, you know, get the paparazzi. Let me just, <laughs> let me, let me just participate, you know? Um, so we always had the the vision of doing this. You know, we specifically said we, we don't want to put a, you know, like contact information on the website. We're not looking for walk-ins. It's not that kind of place. We want to build a place. Um, I mean, not to sound cheesy, but it's like, if you build it, they will come kind of thing. We felt like we had built up our relationships to a point where if we had a facility, we believed that we could bring in big projects. Um, I didn't know it would be the, the Mean Girls movie, but it was the kind of thing that we were looking for. So it's, um, how does it happen? It's, it's, you know, it's just years and years of relationship building, years and years of honing your skill and making sure that when you get that shot, that you can really back it up. But you do realize, 100%, but you do realize that a recording studio in Fort Lee, New Jersey, started by two guys to land a huge Hollywood movie is is so extraordinary. But the way you're outlining it to me is so interesting and that like you say, if you build it, they will come. So all these stars, Renee Rapp, they're all coming in and they're they're recording these songs at your recording studio. I would imagine that one thing leads to another. What happens next? Are you doing more of this? Are you getting more calls? So that, right. So there's projects coming in. I think that the important thing is to always remember that these things are fleeting, right? So right now everyone's talking about it. It's the number one movie in America, but we are, you know, we don't sit here and we don't congratulate ourselves. We don't pat ourselves on the back. We're very well aware of how fast these things fade and 
were really just focused. I know this is going to sound like the typical answer right? when you see these guys being interviewed after a sports game, like, oh, it's the team, it's the team. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that we're really just focused on on excellence, on make, making sure that this reputation um, gets out there, that if you want amazing sounding music and you want amazing produced music, you come to the studio, we do everything. Let me bring it back to the attic. What advice would you give people who are cruising along in their career, and you are doing pretty well with the music company and the music school, et cetera, and suddenly you're you're hit with a bad stroke of luck, whether it was the 2008 financial crisis or COVID where, where you thought everything would shut down, and, and you find yourself right back where you started in the attic. What advice would you give people? I think that it's important to just take take a step back and just evaluate. So for me at that time, it's hard to give a general piece of advice um, because everything's so specific. I mean, I don't know what to tell someone who had a corporate job and got fired and they're in their 50s. I don't know what to tell someone who's 22 at a firm and just got fired two months after they got hired. So mm-hmm. for me, the the silver lining was that I didn't, I didn't have money then and I'd lost basically all my net worth, but I had my clients. And your talent. Yeah. My, my work ethic. Right. So I, it, it's a daunting thing. It can, it can crush you if you let it. And I think that I just didn't focus on it. I can't control that. And you'll get out of the attic eventually. Yeah. Okay. I want to share something with all of you guys. In 2020, during the pandemic lockdowns, I would listen to music after anchoring my show from the home studio that Fox had built me. And something weird happened. My ear began teasing out only the bass lines of songs I was listening to. Like, I couldn't hear anything else. I could only hear the bass. That's weird. Okay, so it was like some force was tapping me on the shoulder. So at age 58... I called up Ben Hyman Music School and I asked him to teach me the bass guitar. That was a year and a half ago. And today I could play the bass. Paul McCartney and Sting better watch out, right? Absolutely. How am I doing? I think fantastic. So you can teach, you can teach an older dog new tricks is what you're saying? Definitely. But it, your listeners should know that you, you do come from a, a talented family. You know, it's it's there. Not everyone has. Uh, anyone can play any instrument at some level of proficiency, given enough practice. You happen to also be blessed with a natural ability too. So, you know, as much as you don't feel it, you're you have an easier time than other people do. You have natural rhythm, natural timing. Um, so, why is the dog covering her ears when I'm playing? <laughs> she has bad taste in music. <laughs> ben Hyman. Thank you. Thank you for such an inspirational story. And I can tell everybody I can play some Eagles songs and I can play some Paul McCartney songs. I can play Feels Like the First Time. And by the way, by Foreigner, I came in on my first lesson. I told Ben that was the song I wanted to learn. And I walked out playing that song. Granted, it's a very simple bass line, but um, Still. Uh, I'm I'm going with it. I'm going to be on stage with somebody at some point in my life. Thank you very much. It's, it's just a, a very important story to tell that just one foot in front of the other, people will try and shake you, events will try and throw you off your game, and you will survive. Good luck to you, and uh, may, may many more Hollywood uh, soundtracks be in your future. Thank you. And for all of you guys, I don't care whether it's Hollywood or New York City, Broadway or Wall Street, wherever it is you want to succeed, just know 
it's not some big secret. It's hard work, a positive attitude, and exactly what Ben did over, over, yeah, it takes years. So don't think it's going to be overnight. All right. Thank you once again. And I will see you Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern on The Claim and Countdown. So appreciate you guys listening as always. Want to listen ad-free? You can do it with a Fox News Podcasts Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And then Amazon Prime members, you can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.